Last week, we began our fall series journeying through the book of Nehemiah. And I, I mentioned that we are journeying through this because as a church, really as a society, as a whole, we're in a season where we're asking a lot of questions about what's coming. We're asking a lot of questions about what's next, what the world is going to look like. The truth is the world looks different today than it did 18 months ago. And the reality is, it's going to look different again 18 months from now. Earlier this week, I heard someone refer to the season that we're in, use the metaphor of a, of a trapeze artist floating through the air to describe the time that we are in right now. There's that, that scary moment when the trapeze artist lets go of, of the bar and waits for their partner to catch them. And we're, we're in this season where we are kind of waiting. We're waiting for, for what is next. We'll be, we're between the world that we knew pre-COVID and the, the world that is coming whenever we move to whatever it is that is next. The books of Ezra and Nehemiah, they tell of a time in history where the people of Israel were in a, a similar place for, for totally different reasons, of course. But... We, we can think of, of this image that they were learning to figure out what was next. And Nehemiah and Ezra led them through it. As we saw last week, Nehemiah served as, uh, as the cup bearer to the king in the Persian courts in the citadel of Susa. A friend or a family member arrives and tells him about how bad things had gotten in Jerusalem. The friend knew Nehemiah could do something about it because of his position as cupbearer to the king. But but before he does something, before Nehemiah goes to approach the king, he stops, he weeps, he fasts, and he prays. He, he confesses his brokenness, his people's brokenness, and then he says in that, that prayer, that prayer, remember Remember, God, remember what you said to Moses about gathering up the people out of exile from the, the far corners of, of the earth and restoring them. Remember, now we are ready. And then, as, as Greg read earlier, he, he goes to the king and queen and, and doesn't just ask for permission to go to Jerusalem, but he asks for, for letters to, to guarantee a, a safe journey. And the king doesn't just grant what he requests, but he gives them material and he, he, he gives them a, a small army to escort him for the journey. We, we pick up in, in chapter 2, right as Nehemiah arrives in the land of his ancestors. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and, and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles 
or officials or any other who would any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, "You see through you see the trouble we are in, Jerusalem." It lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But, But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. About six weeks ago, as as summer was winding down and our family was was getting ready for the new school year, our oldest daughter mentioned that she wanted to join student leadership at her elementary school. Being the, the protective dad that I am, knowing she might have to run a campaign, that there there might be a degree of disappointment as she ran this campaign, I said, I... Ella, are you sure? Are, are, are you sure you really want to do this? And when she said yes, I, I couldn't hold back my, my excitement. The speech, or rap, I should say, that won the student council treasurer election in 1990 at Alcott Elementary School, it just, it just, I couldn't help myself. Yo, my name is Dave and I'm here to say I can count money in a major way. Nickels, dimes, and quarters too. I can keep track of the money for you. So when it comes to voting day, remember this and vote for Dave. So I'll spare you the details, but I wrapped again in fifth grade and became president of the student council in fifth grade. And I said, hey, I, I can write you a rap. Dad, that was so embarrassing. Please, please, please don't. As funny as it might sound, I I really do think that I learned a lesson or two about leadership in those formative years. I was on student council, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. By ninth grade, I was done. Lessons about listening to classmates about making decisions and working with teachers and school administrators and what happens when you try to work around teachers and school administrators. But those are stories for another day. One of those lessons is about building consensus or about building momentum. Whether it's a student council at an elementary school, a team at work, a decision being made by a family, or something that involves a committee or, or, or a session here at church. We all, all of us, work with others in some capacity. We, we all do. And getting a group of people to move forward in the same direction isn't always easy. But it is possible. As Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, we're we're given a model for for building momentum. For for getting a group of people to do a, a project with one another. 
The, the first few verses of the section tell us that when he shows up, that he just kind of lays low, that he does absolutely nothing for the first three days. Then he takes a small group out at night to inspect the walls, and, and he kind of works his way around the walls while the whole city is asleep. I'm sure he had an idea of what he would find. Han and I, the, the, the friend who we read about in chapter 1 who comes to him while he's, he's in the citadel in, in, in Susa, says, hey, you know this is really bad. He knew it was bad, but he had to see it for himself. He had to see how it looked for himself. The, the first step for Nehemiah in, in building momentum and is gathering information. He had to see it. He had to see it. He goes from the valley gate to the, the fountain gate. He, he works his way around and explores everything in between. He had to get a closer view. At some places it was so bad that he had to get off his horse. That's what it means when he says get off his mount and, and kind of navigate it on, on his feet. When I visited Jerusalem a few years ago, I was, I was stuck by or struck by, by the difference in colors of all of the bricks, especially in the old city. It, you, you can tell how many times Jerusalem has been built and destroyed and, and built again. Of course, the wall looked different for Nehemiah, but, but it was the same story. Devastation, destruction, rebuilding, more destruction, rebuilding again. When he reached the eastern part of the city, he likely saw the remnants of entire buildings that had fallen down the hill into the Kidron Valley. This is the part of Jerusalem that, that visitors would first notice when they were coming to, to visit. They would have seen the, the corner of the city, and it was destroyed. It was a wreck. It was a reminder for him. It had to be a reminder for him of what once existed, as well as a, a reminder of the giant task that was in front of him. This was a step that, that couldn't have been easy, but it was important to see it for himself, to not just take someone else's word for it. He had to investigate it himself. This part of Nehemiah reminds me of the day that the, the, the PNC, which is, is Presbyterian speak for the pastor nominating committee visit from Westminster, visited my previous church on, on a day that I preached. Of course, I knew that the committee was coming. But, but no one else in, in the church knew that, 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 that I knew the committee was coming. They had to remain somewhat anonymous. And I'll, I'll never forget, for those of you who remember Ron Michaela, Ron Michaela kind of walking out of the church and kind of smiling and, and winking at me as he, he walked out of the church. The, the committee had, had read my PIF, my, my resume. We, we had interviewed over Skype multiple times. They had chatted with, with references had seen videos of me preaching, but they needed to see it for themselves. They needed to see what I was like in person. They needed to gather information. And at the same time, I was doing research too. I had lunch with the former associate pastor of Westminster. I, I, I called people in the presbytery and said, tell me about that church. What, what's that church about? Haley, my, my wife and my mom visited on a Sunday just to see what church was about. We needed to gather information as well. 
And now that I've been here for a while, things definitely look different. But we still need to be gathering information, hopefully together. The Conejo Valley looks very different now than it did, as I said earlier, 18 months ago. Our church looks different. The whole world looks different. And we need to pay attention to what we see. We need to gather information. Then Nehemiah, he he names the reality around him. He says, we need to be honest with one another. Jerusalem's a wreck. We need to be honest. But that doesn't mean all hope is lost. He lays out the challenge in front of them and he invites them to be a part of the solution. Neighboring countries no longer respected them. And this was an opportunity to to reclaim that respect. And more importantly, it was an opportunity to reclaim their identity. This is who we are. Let's let's remember who we are. WPC has been around for nearly 53 years. We've seen a lot of ups and a lot of downs, right? Right, Darwin, Kathy? There's been all kinds of ups, all, all kinds of downs over the year and everything in between. The last 10 years in particular have, have been difficult. There's been disagreements. There's been tragedy, both within our church family and within our, our neighborhood and our community around us. And at the same time, even in seasons of difficulty, the church has done a lot of good. Lives have been changed. People have been drawn into relationship with Christ because of the ministry of this place. And now, on September 19th, 2021, along with a lot of other churches, we find ourselves in a completely new territory. But that doesn't negate the fact that Westminster was planted here, in this place, in Westlake Village, in the Conejo Valley, with a specific calling, with a specific purpose, with a specific identity. And we have an incredible opportunity, an incredible opportunity to find ways to live into that identity, that purpose, that calling today in a way that that fits the world that we are in today. And to invite other people to join us as we figured it out. Is it a little scary? Yeah, it is. But it should also be exciting. Throughout the beginning of Nehemiah's story, we're told that he's nervous, that he's he's even scared. It it drove him to weep. It drove him to fast. It drove him to, to, to pray. But it didn't keep him from moving forward. Some saw his passion and they were they were on board. They said, this is a great idea. Others saw it and they said, oh, are you sure? He, he doesn't shy away from those who doubt him. And in fact, he he responds directly to it. He addresses the doubts. He, he, he addresses the difficulty of the task directly. He, he turns to the, the three officials who are mocking and, and he essentially says, look, look. If God didn't want us to succeed, if God didn't want this to happen, why did all the doors open to make it happen? Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they thought Nehemiah was foolish, that the task was impossible. Jerusalem would never be as influential or as important as it, as it once was. 
Their thoughts were not all that different from the way some people address the state of the church in our society today. I can't tell you how many of of my friends have left the church, people like me who grew up in the church, and know I'm a pastor and say things like, the church is too out of touch, too broken, too hypocritical, too conservative, too progressive, too fill-in-the-blank to make a difference in the world today. Maybe you've heard some of those comments as well. And depending on the day, you hear them and you vacillate between actually engaging in the conversation or just saying, oh, not today. I'm tired. I know I have those conversations and sometimes engage in them and sometimes say, oh, whew, not today. Nehemiah addresses the doubts, the comments, and he says, you're right. I can't do it. But, but God can God will grant us success. Nehemiah reminds us that that building momentum is is messy, but it's not impossible. Even in the midst of very, very difficult circumstances. I got to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what the future holds for WPC. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what the future holds for the rest of the world. I don't think any of us are too certain of it. But I do believe we can move forward as a community in the midst of all the uncertainty. If we we gather together and we we build momentum to move in the same direction. And we can do that by by paying attention to what we see, by, by gathering information. By naming the reality that's, that's in front of us, being honest with the state of the world, and by responding to doubt, not running away from it. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we thank you for being the one who holds us in your hands, especially in seasons like the one we're experiencing now. God, we ask that you would work in us, that you would work through us, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.